Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Do you feel like you keep dating people who won't commit and you've struggled in your dating life, you've gone through all these breakups, or maybe you've even struggled to consistently date and stay in the dating game, and you are actually the one who struggles to commit and let your walls down. I know how exhausting this can be when you have this desire on your heart that you really want that partner, that best friend, that person to build a life with, and yet your dating life is just going nowhere and you can't seem to find a person to build a healthy relationship with. I just know how frustrating that is. And I was able to take everything I know from clinical psychology and attachment theory research and NLP belief work and build a program that can help you no matter what your past has been, even if you've never had a healthy relationship before in your life, this program will help you become the securely attached, healthy, high self-worth version of you who effortlessly attracts that partner that you've always wanted. So spots are really limited. We can only take a small amount of people every month. And I want to invite you to not wait on your healing. Love is for those who are willing to be brave and do the work. And you are so deserving of removing the barriers to everything you desire. So I just want to invite you apply to the Empowered, Secure, Loved program. You get coaching with me and you will be able to embody that version of you that you deserve. And spots, once again, are super limited. So make sure you apply. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram handles Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link will also be in the show notes. I'm so excited for you to embody that healthy, securely attached version of you. You are so worthy of it. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very, very special guest with us. Susan, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally meet you and excited just to have some time to talk with you. Yes. And we're going to hear all about Susan's story. I'm really looking forward to her sharing. I do want to just read a quick bio just to introduce you to our audience. So just a little bit about Susan. She currently resides in New York City with her dog. How do I pronounce your dog's name? Calliope. 
Calliope and Calliope is adorable, by the way. Go, go we, find Calliope. We call, we call her Moo. Oh yeah. She does have her own Instagram page. Yes. Moo, <laughs> Moo. Okay. Moo. Um, and Susan works in the financial sector. Susan rushed into marriage in her early twenties, which dissolved shortly after years of dating later, Susan's finally decided that she wants to seriously pursue love and wishes to do it overseas instead of in America, where she believes she hasn't found any success in dating and relationships. She hires a matchmaker, Juan Nino in Medellin, Colombia and works with him to find her soulmate there. And Susan is from the TLC show, Match Me Abroad, which is uh, streaming on Max and Discovery Plus. Um, so you can find it there. And I believe at the time of recording this episode, it was it's on the sixth episode of the season. So we're so lucky to have you. <laughs> really excited to dive into our conversation. Me too. So let's just start with a question I think that all of us would have, which is tell us about what led you to this point of taking this leap of faith, this vulnerable, vulnerable leap of going on TV, going to Columbia, like give us the backstory of what led up to that. Uh, A lot of wine. (laughs) No kidding. Um, So I think there's kind of a strange cutoff here in Manhattan. I don't know if it's so much in different cities, but here in Manhattan, 20s and 30s, a lot of dating, a lot of fun. 40s, people start getting married and moving out of the city, and especially moving out of the city as soon as they have children. There are, don't you know, obviously there are people that get married and have children, raise children here. But for the most part, as you climb up the ladder, you either climb out of the city or you move. It's 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 a strange island to be on. So dating is very challenging. I, I will say anywhere in the United States is challenging dating at 50. Um, your your opportunities are so limited. You know, you have every, both men and women, we have pasts. We've we've lived a full life. And so now you're having to compromise on a lot of things that you wouldn't have to have normally compromised at a younger age. Uh, people are now most likely at my age divorced. There would be co-parenting involved, children involved. There's there's a lot of things that make it challenging. And then you throw that in a pressure cooker that is New York City. And so what ends up happening to avoid dating the married men that live in Connecticut and work in the city and have a pied-a-terre here, it gets it starts to get real sloppy. So you start dating younger. And then that's that's for myself i'll speak for myself it's that's not sustainable um i need it would be a rare human being that if i dated 15 years younger than me that would have the same life experience and i would feel 
compatible with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a that's a tough thing to put yourself into. Yeah. So then you're you're kind of stuck. Like, okay, what now? I travel a lot, and I find that I don't encounter the need to date younger when, like, I go to Italy a lot. I date phenomenal men in Italy, um, and the, yeah. you know they're not. They're, they don't have mistresses and they're not married and hiding their children. You know, you, you know what you're getting into. People are pretty straightforward about, yes, I'm married or no, I'm not. And and there's none of the trying to dig yeah. for gold to find Susan, out a truth. I, I appreciate this so much. And I just want to say that, you know, I actually have some clients that live in New York and they would back up what, what you're saying here. So you're, you're not the first person I've heard this from. Are, are yeah. you comfortable if I go backwards just a little bit? Cause I know you said you got sure. married in your, in your twenties. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious if after your divorce, did you go through this phase? That a lot of women go through where you were like, I'm independent. I don't need anyone. I'm going to focus on me and my career. Like was, was there that phase and you kind of found yourself then coming back later and realizing you wanted a partner I'm just curious, like how that whole journey was for you. That's a great question. Actually, I think my answer is very, very common. It's just embarrassing to be forthright about it. Years of therapy. But uh, I, I come from an Italian background and that was what was expected of me. And... I think also at that time I was unhappy and I wanted a way out and that was what was expected of me. That was going to appease a lot of situations in my, my family and my life. And Mm. he was the first love I had ever had. We were best friends. It made sense, but I wasn't like, I, I don't even recall really the wedding planning. That's how checked out I was. And I remember standing at the altar going, God, say no, say no, say no. But knowing, you know, there's 350 people behind me that I would bring shame upon my family. I just, at that, you know, I felt like the train had left the building and I had Mm -hmm. to just kind of go through with it. And I, I, I know I am not the only person that has been in that situation. Of course. And really, I, I struggled. I, I, we were 23. And I struggled, like, why don't I love him? Why do I not feel like this is what everybody else has? I don't understand this. Not truly understanding my the core reason for getting married at that time. Mm-hmm. And also, that was the early 90s. People were still getting married very early. You know, that was an, ex- that was an, an expected uh, age, right? Uh, but it wasn't until I think we had been married two years that I just quite proud of myself said, I, I'm not happy. And I'm crying myself to sleep every night, praying that, you know, God, please let me wake up and love him. Please let me wake up and just want to kiss him because that's what, what I think a marriage is. And I, I just felt like I was in a sea floating by myself. 
And so in answer to your question, no, I, I didn't walk away from that and go, hooray, I'm single. It, it wasn't that it was, there was a huge burden. It was shame on my family, shame on his family. Like it was a heavy thing at 26 to, to carry. And I went back to college and just tried to build my life without that safety net of the family. Cause that was gone at that point. So there was, there was repercussions yeah. and I, a lot of repercussions with that. And I knew it getting into it, mm-hmm. but the risk was, it was better to take the risk than not because Thank you for for understanding that. It's hard to explain to people that haven't really. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say, I think a lot of our listeners can relate and you, you had a beautiful metaphor. You said, you know, floating felt like floating in a sea by yourself. And that's kind of that feeling of helplessness and what can I do? And, but when no direction, no direction, when, when you have that data of crying yourself, to sleep every night, you know, something's wrong. And just, I applaud you in choosing yourself and making that really hard decision at 26. And clearly you are someone that, that can go after what she wants and listens to herself being that you were willing to go on the show too. I mean, there's probably multiple times in your life that you've taken, you know, leaps that weren't comfortable. So um, I applaud you in that and you, you have to do that to thrive. Thank thank you. I, it's, it's odd as if talking to peers that I knew at the time that got married at the same time, I've had not a lot. I don't think a lot of people want to admit it, but they wish they hadn't done it. And at Mm. that time they are, they're, they now have children. So they have to stay in the situation for the children. And then they were trapped. And by the grace of God, I did not have children. And I honestly had that delusional thought, maybe we need to have children. And I know that there are so many women, like I'm pretty sure that that's what my mom did. Mm -hmm. I think if we had children, that would save our marriage. Mm. And I, by the grace of God, just didn't. So Mm. I think that I would have had a different outcome. I don't think I'd be sitting here with you right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's tough to know. Yeah, it is tough to know, but I think I I have always, I've always been a bit of a feral child Mm. kind of roaming (laughs) the earth on my own, (laughs) like trying to sort out. (laughs) I can relate to that. I did a ton of travel and exploration and you grew up in small town, Montana. And I was going to Spain and Guatemala and all these places. And um, I I can relate to that sentiment. Well, you're, you're living up to the show's, the show's title. (laughs) Let's get vulnerable. You're getting vulnerable like five minutes in. Um, right. walk us, so walk us through your 26, you've chosen yourself, you're kind of, you know, being able to get your life together. What, what happens next in your dating journey and, and trying to, you know, find a life partner? What happens during that time? 
I met the most beautiful man in college and we dated for several years. Um, Michael is Michael and his family were still good gravy. His family is still like my family They're They were like my surrogate family at that time. And I learned so much from this guy. He was younger than I, he still is, but, um, it was a true, true relationship mm-hmm. with all of its flaws. It wasn't a childhood thing. It was a two adults trying to make a go out of it. And it was so foreign to me and so exciting. And yet at the same time, learning what it's like to have supportive parents. Like his parents really became my parents and then championing both of us. I I didn't know what that was like. It was like having water wings. It was like, wow, this is great. I don't have to drown. Um, we, We were together off and on for a while. I dated, I really dated great men. I really did. Even, even when I was younger in high school, um, it wasn't until probably 2008 when the economic crisis hit. And especially being here in New York, it was tough. And couldn't get a job, finances, losing apartments. There's a lot of not just loss of money, loss of hope, frightened, no safety net, but dignity, humility, like everything. It was a horrible, horrible place to be here at that time. Mm. Um, Just struggling to tread water. Sorry, a lot of water. Okay. but I met a man that was also in the midst of it and two broken people do not make a hole. And mm. that was the first time I'd ever really been in an unhealthy relationship. And that was really difficult to remove myself from. It was, I, I would have moments of clarity like, wait, whoa, whoa, no, 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 this is not right. This is not healthy. You need to go. And as soon as I would, he was the type of person that would, you know, ride on his horse with his flags and mm-hmm. his sword and mm-hmm. come with me and sweep me off my feet. But that it wasn't sustainable. It never was sustainable, but he just didn't want me moving on. They never want you getting healthy and they never want you moving on because misery loves company. But it was a tough, that was the first time really Mm -hmm. I dated somebody that was just not a good match. And it took a good, almost 10 years. He derailed me. And, and for some people, you get out of it much quicker. I think the, what was going on with the economic crisis at the same time, you just, it's just hard to pull yourself yeah. out, out of it. Yeah. Some, some it would take sooner. Some it would take longer. Some people never get out of that cycle. But what I found feeling so alone and isolated in this was, women just never wanted to talk about it 
they had been through it, but just never wanted to talk about it. So what was making me feel so removed was a common thing. And it would have been nice to have had women to, to rally and support, but it was just something I had to mm. pull, pull myself out of. Yeah. And you did get out of it. A lot of therapy, <laughs> but you yeah. know, therapies, I am, I am a huge uh, proponent of it and right. I needed to unlearn what I learned in those 10 years. I right. had to unlearn about how I saw myself, who I saw, who I thought I was and rediscover with all the scars, this new person, because I'm never going to be the person that I was prior to meeting him. And honestly, do you want to be? No, you, you always want to grow. But um, it took a while. But then yeah. it brought me to a place where I was, I didn't date. I took myself completely out of the dating pool for a couple of years. Yeah. And I, I it was tough. But I, I really thought it, I'm not doing myself any service sure. by jumping into another relationship if I don't have my shit together. So thank you for being forward. vulnerable about this. I, I really appreciate it because there are a lot of our listeners who can relate to this kind of relationship. My Myself included, the thing that inspired me to build this podcast and this brand was surviving a you know, relationship with a narcissist for a year and a half. And so I, you know, obviously I relate to you. Yeah. Um, I always tell people it's, it's like this metaphor with the frog jumping in a boiling pot of water. If you knew the pot of water was boiling, you wouldn't have jumped in it. But if but you slow, put, yeah, you put a frog in room temperature water and you slowly turn the heat up and the water's boiling and thank God, you know, the frog could jump out like you and I did getting out of those relationships, but right. you don't know until you're in it. So, so, so many women yeah. blame themselves for, for choosing that when it's, it's just oh, not yeah. the case. It can really happen to anyone. Any, any education level, career level, yeah. any city, state. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I felt so shamed by other women and it, I learned a great lesson. I never associated myself with somebody in an abusive relationship. And when I would hear like my cousins or people I knew that were in really scary situations, well, why don't you just leave? Mm -hmm. Not even drawing a parallel to my own abuse because if you let's you know call a spade a spade you're with a narcissist you're in an ab an emotionally abusive mm -hmm. relationship where you're constantly mm -hmm. gaslit and mm -hmm. it's disorienting and it's oh, it's yeah. horrible mm -hmm. um but i found it very interesting that i just never i just didn't associate and occasionally i'd have these moments of like lucidity like what the hell are you doing oh my god and that's when I would try and leave. But then again, you know, Prince Charming comes back, waving mm -hmm. his flag, doing yeah. something. He was the kind of guy too. he was very wealthy, so he could 
do extravagant things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. The weekend getaway to Paris or whatever. Yes. Yes, I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you yeah, but it was never sustainable. And then you were disappointed all over again. And it's a cycle. Just, yeah. Yeah. But you Is know, now, I, I keep derailing you from your story. No, no, no. go ahead. Okay. So I want to, I do want to fast forward to, okay. So you take a couple years off after this relationship, right. which sounds like so healthy. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. And then what happens next in your dating life and, and take us to present day to you sure. going on this show. I want to hear. Um, I, I have dated a lot of really great guys. Um, nothing that I felt it was enjoyable for the time. It it was what it was and had a, some had a longer lifespan than others. But I also think I pumped the brakes on wanting to, to go in my head, to go to a place of longevity. I have a lot of check, like checks and balances just out of, out of protection. Am I picky? Yes. But I think all women and all men should be picky. And that just means, you know, what you want and know who you are. So I'm, I don't feel like I haven't found somebody because I'm a afraid or B too picky or C not open. It's not those things. Just haven't found anybody to Mm-hmm. to to do something do life with um and i'm okay with that moving forward to the show so my best friend is also named susan and we've been childhood friends for years and she and i go to europe a lot and we we date the same type of man you know just very well traveled fascinating like just really cool, interesting men. They're not a dime a dozen. And we know that. Um, But we had been saying for years, you know, they should do a show of you and I and set us up with dates all throughout Europe. That's where we're going to find our person. So it's always been like an inside joke. So when the show, when they approached me about the show, I thought, well, this is a match made in heaven. This is perfect. Columbia wasn't like, wasn't like number one on my list. Uh, Initially, it it was also during COVID. So things were, it was, it was Mm -hmm. the availability of certain cities and countries changed every single day based on the pandemic. Um, Initially, they had said Brazil and I lived in Brazil when I was 15. So I thought, oh, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And then it changed and changed. And then I found myself in Colombia, and I thought, you know, why not? I love it's it. Just, you know, it, and if what? nothing comes of it, nothing comes of it. What was that but, like for you going through the process of, oh my gosh, am I really going to do this? Am, am I doing it? Like, t- just tell me about like leading up to it. Were you excited? Did you ever have moments of, Oh wow, I can't believe I did this. Like what what was that like for you emotionally? I'm still going through it. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I really am. Airing and you must have a lot of emotions you're processing. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Shout out to my therapist. Um, <laughs> I think I would have moments and I would call my friends and say, okay, I'll take, I'll take any answer, but is this the dumbest thing I've ever done? And my friends that know me are, no, no, actually it's not. (laughs) You've done, you've done far worse. However, you haven't done it, you know, on national television, (laughs) but you know, you gotta love friends. That'll be honest with you. That's good. But they're, they're absolutely correct. Like I, Mm. I have never, I have never shied away from things that are unusual or Mm -hmm. would allow me an experience. And at the very end, that's the way I saw it. Like I am going to go and I am putting all of my trust in this one person. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And at the end of it, I'll walk home. Well, I'll walk away and come home and, and hopefully learn something more about myself. Mm. So it was a win-win, right? Yes. Absolutely. And so the premise of the show, you're matched with a matchmaker. Correct. One, one Nino, I believe. And Mm -hmm. what, what was that like? And what do you think? I personally, I've never experienced it myself. So I'm just curious, like, what was that like? What, what do you think about matchmaking? I, if I can be frank, I was a little disappointed. I, I think I was expecting Patty Stanger, you know, like somebody that I I think I was truly expecting him to dive into who I am, get to know me, and then choose choose best case for me that perhaps something someone I wouldn't have normally chosen. And I felt honestly through the whole thing it was a it was a struggle with him i felt i felt like i wasn't being heard mm. and that's really frustrating for anybody um i would say i feel this and he would say no you don't you're this which makes me infuriated. So Mm. I initially, not to use the word gaslight, but you know, but I also went into it trying to curb that emotion because I thought, well, maybe that's the way matchmaker works. I haven't had any experience other than watching millionaire matchmaker occasionally, (laughs) but you know, I didn't know yeah. what to expect. So I, I curbed it and I how, thought, well, how challenging Susan, cause it's such a vulnerable thing. You're opening up this part much. of your life to someone you're being so trusting. And then for you to not feel heard, that must've been really challenging. It, yeah. And when you watch it, you can, you can even see in my body language when mm. I, ah, I do the thing that women do you just acquiesce Mm. and you can see the life run out of my face and just hard for you to watch now. Oh, Oh 
this last episode was was brutal for me because it's one thing to to have a visceral reaction remembering what it was like but then also to whoever gets to watch the physicality of <laughs> something so visceral um and in my mind i i thought well he's the matchmaker he obviously knows better than i do but it kind of goes back there was a lot of parallels there was a lot going in my head as you can imagine from my past relationship that's what i was thinking yeah as you said how that. do you how do you then from a healthy place you know for all intents and purposes my brain and my heart are going nope 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 flash flash but i did it anyway and you know i i went on the dates and i it was it was a great experience it's not many blind there's not been many blind dates i've ever been on mm-hmm. but they're all around the same <laughs> like honestly it's awkward but the awkward times 10 because now you have film crew yeah you have a film but, crew yeah yeah <laughs> but it was it was more like again my takeaway from it is how to fully trust and and trust a man in this process of of being totally vulnerable and just saying yes mm-hmm. you know but yet still he needs my input yeah it it was it's a very strange thing to sort out it's it's funny i i relate to what you're saying in so many levels i think so many women do of being in these dynamics with men who are supposed to be making decisions with us. And then it ends up feeling like they're making them for us and not having it feel collaborative can be so emotionally painful and goes back to all kinds of wounds, whether it's your own relationship with your own father or dating experiences. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's child. That's childhood stuff right there. And was really interesting on Sunday watching just the physicality of me get to the point and you can see it in my face like I'm either going to burst out into tears out of frustration like that kind of like oh or I'm going to hit you so it's either one or the other but either way I was brought to one of the extremes and so for me to hold the composure was for me to just say fine so and that's well oh i know what i'm binge watching now (laughs) thanks susan Um, (laughs) so obviously when we do these incredible incredibly vulnerable things and you know i this podcast obviously very different but when i launched this podcast i was terrified because i put so much of my life into it and it's like this very vulnerable thing and i always think the really vulnerable things we learn from so much we grow so much so tell us about what have you learned about you through doing this show wow how self-aware i am of just i'm aware of my emotional state i'm aware of how people affect my emotional state i'm aware of 
I'm knowledgeable. Like I, and, and I'm resolved with so much stuff. Like I, I've worked so hard. There's so much that comes out of this for me. Um, I'm really at the end, I'm just really super proud of myself for putting myself in the position, recognizing things that I recognized and then using the tools that I've been given to resolve any conflict that I, I experienced when I was there. I think the other interesting thing that I take away and it, and it's something I really want to start a dialogue about women that are my age that are single the perception is there's a fault there's something wrong with me and it's never she chooses to be single or she chooses not to have children there is something wrong and it's interesting the social media response to watching me it's I'm at fault she's too picky she's this she's that and I thought wow this is such an antiquated way of thinking and that we still think this way mm-hmm. that was something I I really was surprised to to acknowledge that that mm-hmm. was what, what was happening and it was happening during filming too they were looking for the faults instead of looking for what I was looking for. Mm. Is, it it's much, it, say, is it fair to say you didn't feel like people were on your side even while you were filming? Um, I, I think it was just a constant butting heads with the matchmaker. Um, I don't also trying to be an assertive woman in a misogynistic society in South America is probably not going to yeah. be an easy thing. You know, sure. a strong, a strong woman. Uh, yeah. And I knew that I knew that going into it, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're, shatter- I, you're shattering the paradigm of what a woman is, right? Just by existing. Exactly, exactly. And I, I really, not only am I just proud of myself at the end of all of this, but I realized that I, I want to talk about this ridiculous trope that we're still carrying mm-hmm. about what a woman in her 50s should look like. Mm-hmm it's it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and i don't know what that looks like how do you how do you start a conversation about that how could you even start to to change society's view or change the the dialogue about it because it's so in it's so mm. deep i don't know what do you well, think well you're you're here today. So that's, <laughs> that's step, a start. Step one. Yeah. Just, you- by, just by taking up space and sharing your story and, you know, maybe you need to start a podcast, I guess. That's my, <laughs> that's my advice. Um, Who knows? Who you know, knows? just by, just by connecting and sharing your story and it's true that it's ingrained and it's true that there's a lot of, of men out there 
who realize that they also benefit when they acknowledge women's power. And I do see that shift. Um, Sure. It's not happening as quickly as we would like, but I think I agree with you, right? Like engaging with those men and just, just continuing to have more and more conversations. And I think it can really empower everyone when you're, when you're open and honest about what you've gone through. I agree with you. I agree with you. I've been trying to interact with fans and yeah, try and understand why they feel the way they do and why they feel uh, a certain way about perhaps maybe I didn't uh, I'll have, have chemistry with some person. And like, why do you feel that that was my fault? I just want to know. Like, I really want to know. I, I don't want to to defend myself. Mm. I, I just like to know what did you see? Because maybe it is something that I can change. Maybe if, if it's a tone or maybe something I said that perhaps would lead people to feel that way. Again, that goes back to being self-aware and being willing to yeah. do the work to change. Because if it is my fault, then, or if there is something I'm doing, obviously I'd want to change it. I love the openness. There's this beautiful balance of openness to feedback and also knowing yourself and, and being in reality. And what I've learned as I've grown too, is that there's really only a few core people that when I ask their opinion, I will take it and I will take it in and I will process it. And if you're not in that circle, um, your opinion gets to be your, your opinion. And you may be potentially projecting your own things onto me. Right. So, correct. So I think what, what a growth area for you to have all these opinions floating around about your love life. And for you to say, what are the ones that I'm actually willing to consider? And what are the ones that I'm just, I'm not taking in because it's not good for my well being, Right. Now, that is another huge lesson. I don't think anybody is ever prepared for the army that is people sitting on their sofas with a laptop or a phone. And it's it's shocking the amount of criticism. It, it runs the gamut from criticism to applause to vitriol. And so it's just a bizarre, it's, it's, it's surreal. And I, I've got to be honest too. Like I am so grateful that I have an amazing therapist that I don't think I would be able to have the darts shoot off of me. I also know who I am and I know who these, these people are and, and you know that not, they don't really know. They only see what they saw that right. was produced. And, they don't actually know right. the truth. Right. And they're dogpiling. And and it's fun. And, and online, that's sport. But I can see how some people that get on reality shows that don't have the infrastructure of good friends that uh, will speak out of love and concern 
how you could really get lost and find yourself checking in someplace, little resort someplace for a couple of months to hide out and just really get the the help you need yeah. because you could go down a rabbit hole real quick. Oh yeah. Real I, quick. I I agree. Thank you for being open about that. This leads me, I have to ask you about this. This is one sure. of my, one of my little daydreams that I have. Um, I always think on all these reality TV shows, whether it's married at first sight or the show you're on or the bachelor, yeah. I always think they need an on-call psychologist who will go and support the people on the show. And I'm like, sign me up. I will go. I want to be there. I want to support you. Do you have anything like that as you're filming? Do you, do you know how many people I have said that to? I, there is a therapist that you, you have to have a, Oh, excuse me. That was my boss picking in. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. That's okay. Um, there is a therapist that does a full screen for you. I mean, obviously they would have to do that before they would put you in this kind of a situation. Sure. sure. Um, and I, I think I've spoken to him once while I was down there because I couldn't get in touch with my therapist, just not because there was an emergency, but just, I like to be able to, if something's on my mind or my heart and I'm mm. having a hard time processing, I'm used to being able to have that. But to your point, I have said that several times that there needs to be somebody on set yep. or somebody on there, call. Physically there. Yeah, absolutely. However, I, I would, I would dare say it's needed as soon as the show launches Even because mm -hmm. to my point about you're getting fiery darts coming from armchair warriors that are just cruel for the sake of being cruel for sport. And if you don't have anybody to, to really work that through, that is going to get, excuse me, it's going to get uh, embedded. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a tough muck and mire to crawl out of. I've seen it with some cast members that, I, I, I feel for them, but wow. the, the response is from any therapist would be shut your computer. Mm -hmm. Like don't read it, but that's it's easier said it. than done. You know, it it's is. easier said than done. And especially when we're, we're already as a society on Instagram and on Facebook, all but the time. Yeah. all the time. So it's hard to, to kind of get away from it, but yes, I agree. There should be that should be readily available from, from day of launch. I love it. I think, a, I think a lot of people would, would benefit. All right. Anybody listening, if you know any producers, send them my way. That's my, this is my dream. I want to go. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't necessarily need to be on the show, but I just want to be in it and supporting people. I think that would be such a gift and it's so needed. Yes. It yeah. is very, very needed. Yeah. Very yeah. needed. Hire yeah. her. Hire her. <laughs> you're, you're so sweet. Well, Susan, you have just been so vulnerable. I feel like you've shared so much with us. I want to kind of just take it full circle. And you're you're so passionate about women knowing their worth. I can just feel that from you. It's like 
Okay. Yes. Know your worth, know what you want, have your standards. Yes. Um, what would be the advice that you have for maybe women who are in a similar place to you and they're looking for love? Like what, what would you want them to know? Oh, be okay either way. You know, I think, I think the love that we should be seeking is ourselves. We have to give ourselves, sorry about that. We have to give ourselves grace. We have to give ourselves a grace, really. I think we can't seek a partner if we don't, sorry, if we don't first fully understand who we are and what we need. Yep. Um, sorry, I just had to tell my. You're, you're fine. Um, Work is calling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, but yeah, love yourself because yeah. everything else is easy after that. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and, yep. and if you don't, if you don't find love, you found yourself and that's the greatest thing. Travel the rest of your life, do whatever makes you happy. You know, that's, yeah. you don't need another person to make you happy. Yeah. You need you to make you happy. That's the end. That's the be- end all be all. End all be all. Thank you for sharing that. That's definitely in alignment with what I teach. And I talk about how we cannot seek love to fill a void within ourselves. And right. that really, truly the love for ourselves brings us so much love in our lives. And we have love of friends and love of family. And we already have so much love in our lives when we really allow love in that when that romantic partner comes and let's say you do match up with that person, they act as a multiplier. They simply multiply more love in your life, but they won't bring it to you if you don't already have Yeah. And you're not, and you're coming from a healthy place. You're not projecting all of this neediness because you, you you're self sufficient. And you're yes. right; they're like an accoutrement. They're they're going to make you a better version of yourself strictly by being with you. You're yeah a value a value add. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. A value add. Exactly. And if you don't have a partner, it's it's, it's not a reflection of a fault. There is no fault. Yeah. Maybe it's just not your time. You have it. And you know, the risk in, in dating for me is it may take a very long time to find that person, but not to settle rather if it doesn't ever come, I know that I know what I'm looking for and it will be right. It may just take a very long time or it may not mm-hmm. and just enjoy the process of mm-hmm. getting to to experience all these different people like that there's when you take the optics and the end game off of i must have a husband i must have a boyfriend you you miss out on all of the people and the places and the things that mm-hmm. cloud that like you're clouding all of that with just this myopic view Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for, for sharing that. And thank you for being so vulnerable with us. I know the audience is really going to love your story and I hope that they 
do tune in to watch it unfold. And we'll obviously be sending you all the support and, and positive vibes as all the episodes air. Yeah. Um, once again, the show is Match Me Abroad on TLC. It's every Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And you can stream it on Max and Discovery+. Plus. Uh, this has just been such a great interview, Susan. And I'm excited to see what you continue to do as you share your voice and grow. So thank yeah. you for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to have gotten to to spend some time with you. And uh, it's always, I think it's always helpful to hear your story out of your own mouth. Sometimes you forget what you've, where you've come and what you've conquered and where you are. So thank you for allowing me to have that walk down memory lane. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, and I always ask this question of my guests. So I'm going to ask you okay. if you were walking down the street in, in, uh, we'll just say in New York and a okay. random stranger comes up to you, they're everywhere there. They come up and they say, Susan, I want your best life advice of the moment. This doesn't have to be like, okay. a moment, but just best today, life advice. today, right now they say, I want your best life advice. What would you share with that person? Um, try everything once, but know your limits. I mean, that with within reason, but I think fear fear keeps you from experiencing beautiful things, uh, fear of the unknown. Uh, I think putting one foot in front of the other when, especially when you are frightened to death, the, the reward is so great. Try, just try. <laughs> no, doesn't have to be a final no. It's just, just try it. Attempt it. Try yeah. doing a podcast. Try like, just try yeah, just go go after it yeah yeah thank you i feel like that is so evident in who you are as a person just your openness to experience and your your willingness to try and to really embrace life and I just think, gosh, you would be the funnest person to travel with. Like I think about <laughs> like, you're the person you want, like, you know, in the food market in Thailand, just like, let's try it all. You know what I mean? Like you have such, that, you have that spirit about you. It's beautiful. It's, you know, that's the one thing I love about traveling is just, you don't know anybody, so you can make an ass of yourself and you can, <laughs> I, I like, yeah. I like being uncomfortable. I yeah. think being uncomfortable is a very, I feel safe in being uncomfortable. I know a lot of people don't, but you, you work through that. And then when you're uncomfortable, you allow things in, you know? Yes. Yeah. You would, you would go to a food market in Thailand and try, yeah. what are those egg? What is that chicken <laughs> egg? You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a half, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a week away from hatching, but yet they eat it. Oh in my the goodness. Egg. Okay. Oh, it's well. Hot. Well, we'll have to okay, go. I won't we'll go that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're just so awesome. And, and thank you so much for, for sharing your story. And I hope that, you know, obviously love is already with you and that more love is on its way to you. And yeah, once again, just thank you for being vulnerable 
with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the opportunity. I I'm tickled. I'm tickled to have been here. Thanks so much. Love it. Yes. Yes. And everyone, of course, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.